depends. I mean, I've come into solutions where folks uh, um, are like, I want to go all cloud. I want to get rid of all my on-premise stuff and go cloud because that's the, you know, that someone talked to them about it. And then when we run the uh, numbers on it, we say, listen, you can do that, um, but you're going to waste a, a ton of money that you've already put into your investment. Welcome everyone back to Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. We have an oldie but a goodie, Michael Moore, back on the show. And today we're talking about, <clears throat> let me clear my throat, things that IT should be doing to people. <laughs> I just like that. How could, you know, things that we should do to people, you know, like we should really be, you know, they always say, when you're selling, and especially when IT is selling to upper management, that selling is not something you do to someone. It's something that you do for them. But I'm going to challenge that and say that these are things that we need to do to people. <laughs> we need to go around, we need to ask the right questions, and we need to, I don't know, prod and... Hey. Well, sometimes they just don't know. They don't know what they don't know, right? And mm. and we need to let them know that. We need to inform them. We do. We, we need to tell them. Um, you are not smart. You do not know what you're doing. You have no clue at all how technology works. That is why you enter in these tickets into my system that drive me up the wall. That's what I'm thinking inside my head, but I'm not going to tell you that. That's not really true. We don't do that. I'm just trying to add some flavor trying to add some flavor to this show. We should have a section called craziest ticket you've ever seen. Before we get into in depth here, what is the craziest ticket you've ever seen? Oh man, that's a great one. Uh, funniest. You know, I, I, you know, I think the funniest wasn't a ticket, but rather hardware that came back that contained a live animal in it. Oh, I think that, that uh, that's nice. <laughs> I think when you when you get back a server, uh, I was actually uh, um, we used to get these servers back. We used to have like um, computers that were uh, all these servers that were like at each location. We had like nine hundred locations, right? Mm. So um, uh, uh, you know, on more than one occasion, we've gotten back you know we've gotten back computers with live animals and the and or dead animals, right? Um, at that point, um, and I'm assuming it came back not working, and that was why <laughs> it was getting sent back. Exactly right. Um, this one has a bug in it. Not really. Computer, you know, that, that, it doesn't help. Hmm. I was on a call one time where, um, and this is earlier on when I was uh, on the help desk back about 18 years ago. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, I was uh, chatting with a, um, a client and, and they said, hey, listen, uh, internal client, right? And I said, hey, listen, um, uh, you know, we got this issue with this, uh, with our server and stuff like that. I'm like, all right, let's, well, let's go ahead and take a look at the server if we can. And they're like, well, we have to wait a second. And I said, <laughs> why do we have to wait a second to take a look at the server? Like, can't we just go over there? Like, uh, uh -huh. is, are you doing something? Like what's going on? And they're like, well, uh, someone is in there. And I'm like, I, I still, I still don't understand. Uh, is it like only one person can fit in the room? And they're like, well, sort of. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden I heard a flush and a door open and then i said is your server in the bathroom and they said, yeah. <laughs> ah, right said, next to the shower yeah let me take a look let me take let me take a quick like a little uh, note on this because when that <laughs> server comes back i don't want to be the one that handles it <laughs> oh that is so true the memes are not they don't make the memes up for no reason like the with the fire with the fire extinguisher thing above the server room closet that was that does happen it is happening no, it does. it's happening right it now yeah. i'm okay things we do to people in it let's talk about things that it should be doing to people the questions they should be asking and you know how do you do it on your own? Maybe what's uh, we call this a value discovery, discovery questions, things that important questions people not, might not be asking, or important questions that if you want to grow up in IT, 
these questions might make you look like a big deal. Yeah, yeah this is true. I, I actually kind of like how, how you're phrasing this because it, it's correct. A lot of people don't know what they don't know. And uh, how do you speak to executives? How do you speak to business leaders that don't speak tech, uh, but you have to get across very, very important uh, um, information so that they can make experienced uh, uh, solutions and, and informed decisions on how to do IT. Mm. So first question, <laughs> there's so many. Let's think of the general overview. How about, it's gotta be something to do with technology vision or, or digital. Nowadays it would be digital transformation, but what would the what, what, what would your, if you had to go into a place and start, you got a new IT job, so to speak, you come into the company or you come in for an interview and they say, what questions do you have for us? What do you ask? So the first thing I'm going to ask is tell me about your business and what you do. How do you make money? What's important to you? Uh, um, I want to understand how that business works, right? Because that makes all the difference in what's important from IT standpoint. And, uh, you know, I don't even need to talk about IT at the moment. I just need to talk about the business and how it works. If I don't understand the workings of the business, I don't know where they're going to want to put their money, invest their money. And I want them to talk. I want them to tell me uh, what their pain points are, what their, uh, uh, what's going on with their, uh, um, their solutions, what they're upset about. I mean, a lot of times uh, uh, folks get upset about IT, but they just keep it inside uh, and because they don't know how to explain what's causing them, uh, you know, pain, discomfort, uh, irritability here uh, with these solutions. You know, uh, they want to do things, but they don't know how to do them and they don't know uh, where to even begin. Uh, and sometimes they don't even know where to actually how to how to verbalize it. Right. Is there any common themes that come up? Yeah, um, you know, you'll have, I mean, so lots of times uh, folks get upset uh, because small problems don't get fixed, little small, tiny things, right? Sometimes it's the lack of functionality of the solutions that they purchased uh, um, that caused them trouble. Um, other times it, it has to deal with, uh, you know, I want to, uh, I'm not getting, um, you know, I've purchased things, I've gotten things, and I'm not getting what I want out of them. Other times, they're just scared to death that their IT solutions are going to go down, or they're not secure, and they're going to get hacked from ransomware or other types of threats out there, right? I mean, those threats are real, and a lot of the, uh, other items and stuff are real. So, the, the you know, it could run the gamut uh, on things. Uh, um, you know, IT, I, you know, it's easy to kind of walk in and go, okay, what are your pain points? What's going on? And stuff like that. What's hard to do is then take all those and, um, you know, identify which ones you should work on first, right? Because it could be that the CEO is upset that they can't get, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a Gmail or some uh, uh, other solutions to do some specific thing that it's not even can't, it can't even do, or it needs a third party app to do, right? I mean, it could be very simple, uh, but they might not know that there's other solutions out there. They may not know that um, uh, they're they're wasting money by having duplicate solutions. They not you know there's all these different items and stuff that take it taking place. May, they might not even know that they're not secure, and uh, the people that they're doing business with uh, um, may need them to be. So um, there's a lot to IT that um, uh, runs the gamut that they might not even understand. Uh, that they're having trouble with. Um, and they also may be wasting a lot of money. It depends. I mean, I've come into solutions where folks uh, um, are like, I want to go all cloud. I want to get rid of all my on-premise stuff and go cloud because that's the, you know, that someone talked to them about it. And then when we run the uh, numbers on it, we say, listen, you can do that, um, but you're going to waste a, a ton of money that you've already put into your investment. Uh, in fact, if you want to go cloud, we can do that, but we need to um, uh, create a plan so that you can utilize the investment you've already done and then also transfer, uh, uh, start transferring into the cloud and migrating that way. That way you're not wasting any, uh, any investments you've already done, uh, but you're, um, you're starting to move in the path and the direction that you want to go 
uh, um, and uh, and you're not going to eat up all your budget while you do it. So um, there's different there's different solutions, and you know, a, a cloud may work for some folks. It may not work for others. You know, on-prem may work for some folks. On-prem may not. I've worked with many different companies, and some were hybrid, some were all cloud, some were uh, um, all on-prem. It, it, it just depends on the business and what they need and what they uh, um, and how they want to operate. Um, it depends on where their their staff is, you know, located. You know, where um, how they interact as a company, how they collaborate. I mean, all these different uh, uh, different features and 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 uh, of the business and how they operate as a business uh, come into play. And uh, I was actually just talking to somebody at, uh, um, at the job I currently work at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were talking about uh, implementing a new solution. And uh, as they were talking to me, I said, guys, I said, before, you know, before we do anything related to technical, why don't we just sit down and talk about the workflow and how it works? Don't, and, 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 and what I want you to do is don't even think about inserting any technical thing in here, right? We're moving information around. That's what IT does, right? So I want to know how the information would move around regardless of what technology we put on there, right? And then once I know that, I can put the right technology in place to make it work, right? So that's that's one way I would I would come across and tell them that. Here's what I have so far based on the bullet points that you fed me. One, the first one you already gave us, tell me about your business and how you make money. Mm-hmm. Then you said the little things. So my first question that came to mind was, what little things annoy you about your technology or your current technology? Lack of functionality. What do you love and what do you hate about your current solutions? Um, Oh, paranoia about IT going down. Let's just, let's do some things to them here and, and really make them even more paranoid. What now, happens? Way, I, can, I can tell you, I can talk to um, that piece, by the way. Um, we can have a more in-depth discussion on how to reduce that paranoia and actually turn it into actionable projects. Mm. And hopefully increased budget. What happens if we can't communicate for one hour? How about that? Or a day? Oh, Hacked. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's really make people scared here in compliance. What happens? Go ahead. Go, go. I know it's going to say, here's a solution. Here's an exercise I used to, I I like to to do with folks uh, because this is what, if you get somebody that is just all over the board and wants everything and stuff like that, you know, and, and that's, I mean, it's fine, but you want to, you know, prioritize that work and, and, and have them understand what's critical and what's not critical, right? And sometimes they're like, well, I don't, I don't know how to define what's critical and not critical. What I usually do is I say, okay, close your eyes. Now, imagine everything's down. What would be the first thing you want to bring back up? And then keep going from there. Mm. <laughs> and it's a, it's a scenario in which they go, Oh, right. And then they start to actually think about, well, how do I talk with my employees if, if everything's down? How do I uh, um, send, mm. how do I talk to my clients and how do I ensure that them that we're working on this, you know? And so then they start to kind of work through, uh, you know, what's important to them. And then once we can get that information down, then we can start to go, okay, let's start to put some redundancies, some uh, high availability in place wherever we need uh, to make sure that if you do have systems that go down, that you can access, you know, the ones that are critical uh, quickly and you bring back up and then, and, uh, and communication. I love that question, that thing you just put there, because that's an important one. How about this? Since hacking might be a paranoia, <laughs> what happens if we leak customer data? Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one. That's what you, I mean, you fed it to me. You said, you know, do our customers care? What happens if we uh, leak all of our customer data and it goes uh, viral on social media? (laughs) You know what customer data you're storing and uh, whether or not you're storing it in the right place. Do you know Mm. where all your data is? Mm. You know who has your data? Mm. Well, I know that Google told me, uh, 
my data was leaked in a recent, um, <laughs> my passwords were leaked in a, in a recent data breach and that I should change my password. I'm just going to act as the CEO here. By the way, has, has uh, Google ever told you that your passwords have been leaked in a recent data leak? That should be a question. Okay. Um, yeah. What is the password policy? Do we even have one? That's that's oh, that's going down a deep security dark hole that I don't know we don't have time for. How about this? And this is just a thought. Um, what do we pay our people? Because whatever our average hourly rate, salary, however we want to do it, divided by number of people, divided by number of months. This is like the, like the famous little ROI you yeah. know, cheat sheet thing. Does that help break it down to the more minute, monotonous value of IT that we can then add on top? Well, what if you just gave me an extra dollar per hour? per employee for every hour of the day that they work and we give you this. I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking of other, you know, budget tricks that we could do. Well we know that we know that um, you know, uh, uh, you should be in between two to three percent of your budget being spent in IT. I mean that's essentially the, you know, uh, most folks you're gonna find in that. And that can fluctuate depending if you're doing strategic IT projects. Right, and you can categorize that out of the um, out of different out of a different bucket just to make sure hmm. uh, if you go over. But um, uh, you'll find that a lot of folks are spending even less than that on their IT. Uh, um, uh, you know, and I've seen folks spending less than one percent on their IT budgets. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, you you got old computers that are not being recycled out. Uh, cycled out. You've got um, uh, uh, you know um, solutions that are uh, running up on their time. I've seen people running on operating systems that uh, uh, you know are, are about ready to die, and they don't, and they're not supported, and they and they have no no idea what to do after, uh, if it did go down. Right. And is that two to three percent like internal IT? And is that for a specific industry that you've been working in in the past? And I only ask because if you asked Amazon what their IT budget is, or if you asked Facebook what their IT budget is, or if you asked, you know, John's Tire Barn what his IT budget is, you'd get clearly two different answers. So is there a specific field? Are we talking manufacturing? Are we talking. And what if we bump that? What happens if we do bump that number from two to three percent to four to five percent? What happens? Well, this is it's a good point, and I, and you're going to run into this, right? Because some some solutions, some businesses have solutions that require more IT than others. I agreed. You're going to have that, right? This is a general. Uh, if you don't know your IT budget, it should be around this. Um, uh, you can go above it, you can go below it, uh, depending on the type of business. I mean, some, some companies just don't require a lot of IT, uh, for what they do. And in that case, uh, their budget is going to be much smaller. Um, but the majority of businesses, uh, you know, uh, should be within that two to 3% range, uh, for their IT. Now, where that can jump up is if you are doing strategic IT projects or you're doing a focus on, uh, on improving your IT security or, uh, or working on a transforming, like I said, digital transformation of your business, then you're going to be running these strategic projects. What I would suggest, though, is if you are doing these strategic projects and you are a business executive uh, in charge of the budget, uh, right, you should be categorizing these strategic projects in a different bucket than your general IT budget. Um, these should be uh, um, tracked and separated separately. That way, you can also track, um, you know, any of the um, uh, uh, any of the uh, uh, improvements, uh, strategic improvements that you got from it, and ensure that that the project was was worth your investment. Is there back to the many people hate this statement? Many people love it. You don't know what you don't know. What happens if they don't change or they don't make any changes or they don't make any improvements? What happens? So, 
so how I usually um, how I usually do this is what I do is I, I will I will throw out an overview of their technical solutions. Right here's what you have, and I'll do it at a very high level so that they can see all the products, and I will literally put. Uh, images of the products with lines connecting to where they go. And I, and that way they can see their entire IT. Mm -hmm. Most people, when they see this one pager of what they have from an IT perspective go, oh, like they don't, they usually don't see the IT. They look at it, they, they go, it's a bunch of computers. I don't have to, I can't see this, right? Mm -hmm. um, once you start to connect the dots so they see what they have, uh, then they can start, then they start to visualize it and they can say, oh, I understand what I'm seeing. I can, I can visualize what's happening. And then what I do is the next slide, uh, you know, will show all the risks that, uh, um, that come with that overview. So I will throw things, red arrows to things saying this is, uh, you know, this computer is only one computer and it's seven years old and it's the only, it's running your most uh, used critical application. And if it goes down, you're gonna have to order a new computer, uh, reset it back up. It's gonna take about two to two weeks to do this right? so that they understand, oh man, this is, a, this is a risk. And so I identify all those risks on that same page, right? I, I put short blurbs of, as to what they are and then I talk about them as they pop up. Right. Mm. So I'll get one animation, talk about it, another animation, pop it up. By the time I'm done with the risk, right, they're like engaged and also uh, um, the paranoia is going crazy. Right. Mm. Um, but but that's mean. We don't want them to be paranoid. So what we do is we then take that concern, uh, concern. Yeah, we yeah. right concerned. Right. And we take those concerns and we say we can fix this. And this is how we fixed it, right? Because you don't want to walk into some place and give a bunch of uh, uh, concerns and then walk out the door, right? The idea is here's your concerns, but also here's how we can fix them. And there's multiple ways we can fix them, but here's how I would suggest based on what I know so far, right? Mm -hmm. Leave room for flexibility that way, you know, because they might have different, they might be like, listen, we're going to move off this application in six months anyway. So that's not really a concern for us. Okay, good. Then we don't need to worry about that. What new application are you going to use and what are you going to do with it, right? So it, it allows us to have that conversation and understand the business and understand where it's going. And that way we can uh, design, update, fix solutions uh, for what for what they have and stay ahead of them rather than just responding to what, uh, what issues they have. Um, the risk that, see, now they have the risk, the next big question that they always ask me is, what do I do first? Right, because I've got all these concerns now. I see that you how you want to handle them, but what what would be the first one you would imagine, right? Because I only have so much of a budget, and I don't know, uh, you know, what I should do first. And this is where you know you use your uh, risk uh, calculation, doing the uh, um, risk impact. So the uh, what the impact would be if the actual problem happened, mm -hmm. and multiply that by the probability of it happening, and. Um, do it on a one to five scale or one to 10 scale, uh, you can actually calculate this out and actually numerically identify uh, the, um, uh, you know, uh, the risk based on- uh, What do we call that? Your impact risk. probability number? Like, what do we call that? Your IPN? Let's just, oh, what do we call that? Yeah, I mean, it was, you, you got your risk impact, uh, uh, one to five or one to 10, depending on how you want to do it. And then mm -hmm. the risk probability, the probability that that, act, that will actually happen. So. So you could be like, um, I'll give an example. So uh, let's say a server is like seven years old, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's running a, uh, uh, it's running very little things that would make any impact on the business, right? So the risk impact would be like a one or a two at the, at the very most, right? But the probability of it happening is like, uh, if we're on a five, one to five scale, it's like a five. So, you know, you five times one is five. So there's your, uh, there's your probability, uh, there's your number, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let's say that the, um, let's say, let's flip it around. Let's say that that is a super critical server, right? And it's seven years old and the chance of it going down is like a five. Uh, and the, if it goes down, it's gonna take down their major application. So it's like a five. So five times five, tw uh, right, is 25. And that would be the uh, that would be a higher uh, on the scale now, right? Mm. But you could have something something like uh, it's a critical application, but it's running a, you know in a cloud and it's backed and it's also backed up 
And so the risk of it going down is like a, a, a one, right? Mm. But it, it's a five. So now that's a five. So you you just keep, multi, you do this, you know, multiplication. And if you want to, you know, like I said, you can change the score. Just make sure you're, you're uh, um, consistent with the scoring, uh, uh, one to 10 or one to five. Mm-hmm. And you can score all these out based on what you know. Uh, and and then be ready for them and say, well, look at and you can you can put this on a nice little table and they'll love it, right? Mm-hmm. Risk impact and probability, make the scoring and just say, this is what I see based on, on here. This is the uh, um, this is the prioritization of all the highest risk, highest risk yeah. number gets taken care of first. Yep, and that will help. That actually will help them. But one thing we would it's like a decision know, matrix. Yeah, correct. And one thing you should know about that though is if you're gonna if you're gonna hand that to somebody. The next question that you'll get is what is this going to cost me right mm-hmm. yeah so you don't have to have all the answers to it but you need to have a generalized uh um uh, a generalized uh, uh cost and you're going to say well i can estimate it's going to cost you about so much make sure that your estimate is higher than what you would uh, what it would be so that way when you come back with the actual estimate it'll be lower than that um, and, and then the next question they're going to ask, ask you is how long is it going to take to get this done, right? Because they're going to be concerned about it. And then you also, same thing here, estimate the timeline based on what you know. Make sure you take into consideration their holidays, your holidays, add a 20% buffer and give them, give them that feedback. Uh, and if you know all this stuff going into it and you're able to present this information, then you're going to be much uh, then you're going to have a, a, a much more of a um, uh, of a chance to be able to get these things completed and done. People want to know that you know what you're doing. You've assessed what they're what that's going on. You're able to uh, provide adequate cost and, and timeline information to them. And if you know all this stuff up front and you've already given them the uh, prioritization of it, they're like, okay, well then this is a kind of a no brainer. We'll just uh, let's let's start with the highest one and work our way down uh, the list. And uh, and this is a you know I've done this now with several several companies and uh, this is a um, this is a, 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 a tested <laughs> method of being able to execute uh, the projects you want to execute. Now you got to know you're going to have to be flexible because you're you're going to they're going to hit you with things that you didn't expect. Like I said, applications that they probably want to go away from, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to be engaged now and they're going to want to ask about, well, what if I move it to the cloud? What if I do it this? What if I do that? And so you got to be ready to make some uh, um, judgment calls on the, uh, on the call and also anticipate some of those. And if you don't know the answer, tell them you get back with them. Don't give them an answer uh, that's incorrect. Let them say, hey, listen, well, you know what? This is new information to me. So I'd have to go back and research it. But I can I can do that, and I can get back with you in a few days with a um, with a cost estimate and a timeline. So we've got a risk impact probability. We've got a cost and a timeline, plus um, plus or minus ten to twenty percent. What do we want to call that? Contingency factor. Yeah, there's unknowns always in projects you're going to have to account for, and what other metrics could we measure or provide insight into? For example, opportunity for growth and efficiency metrics. It's so funny because that's on my notes right here is the is like other items can you use metrics to identify what else you can do for them. So mm. um, it's like you read my mind. Um, well, everyone wants to show me the money. Michael, right? Show me the money, not show me the cost. Show me the money. You know well, what I mean? that's the question, right? Is why should you do this security thing, right? Uh, it's not going to bring me any additional revenue, right? Well, that's when you want to talk to them and say, "Well, you're right. It won't bring you an additional revenue unless you're doing. You want to do business. I've had clients before that want to do business with the government, and they don't have the proper security." to um, be able to do it. Let's say they sell arms and stuff and need to be uh, um, uh, DFAR, uh, you know, uh, compliant, right? Um, yep. There is, there's a, um, you know, a bunch of different, I mean, the government's in- increasing all that, uh, you know, out there. So uh, there's other things too. I mean, you work with healthcare companies, they're going to want a higher level of security. Um, so you, this is where understanding the business comes into play. 
right? What, who are your clients? Who, you know, who do you do business with? Uh, um, that's a justification for sometimes uh, whether or not they, they need to secure this data. Also, um, what happens if you do have a leak of data? What happens if you do get hacked and you have to report that? That's a huge PR concern. It's a business loss potential. Um, and uh, um, also, uh, you know, you may have to, depending on what happened, you may have to supply uh, um, uh, folks with uh, um, identity theft uh, um, the solutions, uh, which is an, an additional cost. Are you ready to eat that cost? Also, do you have insurance to uh, um, help prepare you for that? Um, there's lots of different ways that you can talk to them about that and, uh, and, and be able to kind of explain what the uh, uh, financial consequences are of that um, and what the PR to their company and to their clients are uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, not having that, uh, that stuff locked up, right? What is, just out of curiosity, what is the largest group of end users you've ever overseen? Uh, I, I've, I worked in a, uh, um, I worked in a company, uh, so internally, I handled all of their end users, which was about 12,000 end users. Mm -hmm. right. and, and the reason why I ask is as a successful IT director and leader in the, I would call that nearing enterprise, really mid-market commercial space, what is the, where's the bleeding happening and how much money, th this stuff costs money, but how much money have you been able to find and or move around slash free up? Is there any tricks of the trade there? Yeah, so um, so I once was, uh, uh, and I, I won't name the business, right? But I, um, uh, I once had a business approach me and say, hey, listen, uh, we have, uh, um, we need to, you know, clean up some cost, right? Uh, and this wasn't recent, this is a while ago. Um, but uh, we need to clean up some cost uh, and we need your help doing it, right? So it's okay. Um, and uh, we went in and we uh, went through all of the, uh, and the way to do it is to go to accounting, uh, find out everything we're paying for and who it's being charged to, right? And, uh, and go through each application and figure out whether or not it's needed or not needed, uh, whether or not it's a want, you know, what does it do for the organization? Are you getting your money back for it? Um, and really challenge each person in the organization to think about whether or not, uh, um, you know, this solution is a solution that is a nice to have, or if it's a solution that's needed and that uh, um, pulling that solution out would uh, um, reduce revenue, would, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, reduce security, um, uh, uh, provide a, uh, uh, you know, uh, prevent uh, um, uh, clients from having a, uh, um, having a feature that they like. Mm. Um, you know, there, there's so much to think about in that. Um, what about we just paying to too much money? Down. What about just, what about just market benchmarks and just paying too much money for some things? I mean, I do this, oh. I've been doing this all day, every day for, I don't know, the last couple decades. And even, you know, just with the Microsoft price increase coming up in March, it's going to be a 20% price increase across the board with required one year agreements. And if you want to stay in a month-to-month -month agreement, there's going to be another 20% price increase. So that's 40% right there if you want to keep your month-to-month -month Microsoft agreement in a 20% price increase. Yep. And many people might not know this, and this is just some industry knowledge for anyone that's listening out there and may or may not know about the Microsoft price increase going up. You could save yourself that price increase by signing up for a year prior to March, but that price increase is going to come no matter what come next March. And if you're not ready for it, you could see as high as a 40% increase out of nowhere, at least for a month, because you might be on a month to month Microsoft licensing agreement right now. So there's things like that stupid stuff, or you might just be paying 50 cents too high or a dollar too high for a license or something like that here and there. Are there any other, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is there any like, what about just general auditing and general, hey, let me just look at all your crap. And, yeah, I mean, you know, that's essentially why do you have 50,000 POTS lines? <laughs> you know, I, uh, something I, like that. You know, this elevator is not even being used anymore. But Well, you know, what, what just happened, right? We, uh, a whole bunch of uh, companies went remote, 
uh, uh -huh. right? Yes. And they bought up whatever they needed to to get their to get their cli clients to be able to talk to them, mm -hmm. their folks to be able to work from home and communicate and all that stuff, right? And uh, I know how many people purchased solutions uh, that are redundant, you know. Uh, essentially, I mean, I've seen people uh, with full Microsoft subscriptions running Slack, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I love Slack. It's a great solution, but mm -hmm. you have Teams. Why aren't you using Teams that's included with with your Microsoft, right? Or other way around, right? SharePoint or whatever. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, right? yeah. And, and it's like, you have to identify what the duplicate feature set is, what you're using it for, and whether or not you need to, need to have it. Du duplicate technology is... Uh, accounts for a huge portion. Well, because I can tell you right now that there are, I wish I could just press a button and, and have this data, but how many people do you think are both using Microsoft Teams and Zoom simultaneously? Oh, I, I guarantee you it's a, it's a <laughs> huge amount. It's a well, ridiculous number. And it's just it's a matter funny. of why, but why? The question is why? And that's a huge question. And now, there are some reasons, right? Yes. You may have some folks that uh, um, prefer, they, their clients prefer Zoom, right? <laughs> yes. So, they, so, so instead of, you know, using whatever uh, Teams or, or Google Meet or, or anything like that, they, they may actually like Zoom and want to use Zoom for their client base. Great. You know what? then you can you identify how many people uh, are external to the clients and buy just those uh, uh, licenses for them. Mm -hmm. You don't need to buy it for the whole organization, right? Mm -hmm. So it, a lot of this is a case by case basis. And, and once you find those, those specific uh, uh, reasons, you really ought to challenge too and be like, okay, but let me ask you a question. You think you're gonna lose a client over using Teams or Google Meet? I can, I don't know, but for the small licensing fee, they're probably going to say, we're not going to chance it. But what you don't need is duplicate across the board for everybody. The other thing Correct. you don't need, just another tip for anyone out there, if you'd like to know how to do this, happy to help you free of charge. The um, You do not need to pay full price for Microsoft Teams voice licensing. That is one thing that I saw happen very quickly, especially with the pandemic was quickly voice enable teams. Just, just pay for the licensing. Okay. So that's $8 for phone system, $12 for us based calling $12 for international calling times a thousand. Right. What? 3,000 3, minutes. So if you go over that, make sure you're uh, uh, that's just an, astronomical price that <laughs> is a i i'm just telling you right now it's it's i can easily promise you 50 percent to 60 percent less just to show you how to use microsoft's enterprise number one direct routing partner so that you don't pay those licensing fees um just tricks of the trade things like that again that's that's definitely a you don't know what you don't know and also how to avoid all that PowerShell work that you probably did that was a nightmare. Or if you're getting ready to do that, um, happy to show you how to avoid that PowerShell stuff. Um, why should or how often should people either get whether it be IT director getting a third set of eyes on something, you know, creativity, creativity, is there time for this? And having been in the trenches for years, how often, just because we're all human, do I, does IT leadership take a step back and really do the leadership work, the visualization, the goal planning, and the strategy, should we say, of doing this, you know, really kind of like a, a, a self-assessment slash audit. And would it be helpful to have a, a third party 
take a look at it for you and ask people and do the assessment, whether it be to save time, energy, or be uh, non-biased. Let me, and, let me know, run with this, Bill, yeah. because I got so many, I uh, got so many things on this. Okay, so first and foremost, it's not done as often as it should. Uh, I know this because um, I've spoken to multiple businesses that have never seen this and they had internal IT, right? Um, so, uh, you know, and then also on top of that, I've spoken to several smart and talented individuals who, uh, you know, have been unable uh, and frustrated uh, communicating and talking with their executives or talking with other business leaders and not being able to explain to them, uh, you know, uh, what they need to get done and how to prioritize it and all that stuff. So that's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Just that one little piece, people that are frustrated and unable to speak with executives, I call that selling IT to up, upper management, getting a right. seat at the executive roundtable, convincing key stakeholders that IT is not a cost center and that we're a business force multiplier. All of these different themes that come up quite often on the show, it comes up on almost every show. What, and IT directors being frustrated, so... What, what do you mean? Like providing them ammunition, shotgun shells and their shotgun that help them sell well, the, IT, the the statistics, the metrics. Here's basically everything that you kind of lined out earlier, which was, and if I'm looking at my list, the risk impact probability number, all of these different things in a spreadsheet, et cetera. It, so um, remember when I talked about um, business leaders not seeing a visual of what they have, Right. They don't see the risks. They don't see the visual. They, they only, they're like, why should I look at this? And I have IT, right? Mm. They do it. But the problem is, is that IT needs the business and business needs IT. It's a, it's a joint, uh, um, uh, it's a joint uh, partnership, mm -hmm. right? And what you need to have the business leaders understand is their, their objective is to tell you what's important from a business perspective, what makes you revenue, what uh, you can't have go down, uh, you know, from a business perspective, not from an IT perspective. Our job as IT is to make sure that based on the business objectives that they've given us, right, that we make them run as secure and stable as possible uh, without, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, without killing the budget, right, uh, um, but also making sure that those things stay up and running, right, so they can sleep at night. Right. And so what usually the disconnect in, in the communication is uh, um, the IT folks uh, don't know how to translate the IT of their job into business speak and vice versa. The business speak uh, is not somehow getting back to the IT team. Either they're not included in meetings or there's a bunch of shadow IT going on. Or uh, you know they they just don't they think that IT knows everything at all everything and and they don't and they're not part of the business so this frustration can happen from just a lack of communication right and in fixing that communication I'd love to say it's easy but it's not right it requires uh, um, you know first you have to delay this out the way I've said and you need to give it to somebody uh, that has some authority right and have them work with you to bring it up to uh the executives if that's the case if you have a straight path to the executives fantastic now i've seen this happen where we've uh, explained this out to folks and the executives still didn't believe it uh um so the next option was was the third party uh we ran a uh we had security folks come in and uh and, and we gave them all the info and said here you go right and we've had uh third party auditors come in and we welcome that as well uh, we give them all the information that they need uh, to show that, uh, you know, um, there's risks in the organization and they love it. Auditors and security guys, they love when they get this information because you're basically doing their work for them. All right. And uh, once you give them this information, uh, they will write it up and they will send a fun little executive summary report over to the, uh, um, uh, to the executives. And if you've been saying this, over and over to them. If you've been uh, harping on this and all of a sudden they get a third party that says uh, the same thing, uh, they're, they're now, they now have two people telling them that uh, from different uh, um, you know, sides of the, the business here that they need to get this thing fixed. And so that may, uh, and, I, and I've seen it happen before, it, it's all of a sudden, you know, it'll be their idea, it's fine. It doesn't matter whose idea it is. 
but it'll mm. also be the executive's idea. And, and you're like, fantastic. I think that's a great idea. Let's go ahead and fix the problem. Mm. It'll be cost this much and it'll take this much time. Mm. Excellent. I'm lost in deep thought. Lost in translation came up with the, with the um, cliche, what came up yeah. with the, the business to the IT leadership. How, as an agenda, if someone was to try and attempt to do this on their own, how long does a risk impact probability number, an opportunity for growth number, and in general with contingency factors, we could call this an IT roadmap slash visionary for the future, getting numbers from the CFO, i.e. costs that we're paying right now for things. How long does a audit like this take and how much time should someone put aside to do this exercise? So it can be lengthy uh, and it depends on how detailed you want to go. Um, but there's things to look for that can kind of do it. So I, the way I kind of look at it is I, I had a general project that I would go through top to bottom uh, through the entire infrastructure stack, uh, the application stack. And um, I would go through this entire thing and I would just look at, um, you know, I would look at the age of systems. I would look at the uh, um, where the data was being kept, whether mm -hmm. it was secure or not, what the uh, where the uh, um, uh, 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 you know, if there's any, uh, if you're if you're an internal organization, you already have IT tickets. I would pull in inside the IT tickets. Mm -hmm. I would look to see, uh, you know, what projects I had done already for them. Uh, you know, what that translated into. And so we could say we've done prior projects and 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 we had this. I'd look at the uh, service tickets and say, okay, is there any? Uh, um, how many? You know, I'd classify them and say, you know, here's how many are network related. Here's how many are computer related, here's client related ones, right? And mm -hmm. then you go, what am I doing for you? You know, and you usually you see a pattern and uh, and, and that will help you kind of, uh, you, know, you know, use the metrics to say, hey, listen, you've got this much going on with your network. Uh, so all the stuff that we're doing for you is basically trying to fix your network. And I look at it and the network's this, this old, right? And you're using all these old things. On top of that, you're spending way too much money on it. And so we can reduce your cost we can uh, um, reduce the amount of time so your folks need to call into the help desk, which just means that they can do work instead of calling us, right? And we can, uh, um, you know, make sure that you uh, get these uh, projects that done that will prevent any future uh, um, issues from happening. So you guys don't have people sitting around not using their computers and not working, right? So, which is a huge productivity loss. I once had an organization that um, was having a problem with their uh, um, uh, their call center going down. Mm -hmm. Right. And I told and I and they asked me how much it would be uh, to, um, uh, you know, to, to fix it. And I told them it would be two hundred thousand dollars to fix it. Mm -hmm. Right. And they said and they balked at the cost. And they said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. And I said, well, just to make just so you know, every time it goes down, you lose fifty thousand dollars an hour. So you want to rethink that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I gave them the productivity numbers and everything that I had already pulled from them. And really quickly, uh, I was given, uh, you know, uh, more money than I asked for to fix the problem. <laughs> what they have for, uh, what they have for contact center software? It was, uh, it definitely was a via at that point, hmm. uh, which figured I, I would have guessed that I would have guessed, it, but it wasn't the problem. Actually, the funny part is, is there, it was actually their underlying network. That was the issue. Um, mm. uh, it wasn't set up for a, uh, uh, it wasn't set up to uh, like what happened is if, if one switch went down, like 50 computers would go down mm. uh, and uh, there would be no, uh, you know, it, it, would be, it would all of a sudden take down another switch on top of it right afterwards. And so it was just sounds like a weird hub. No disaster. It just sounds we, it actually doesn't sound. It was good. a rip and replace of the network is what okay. fixed it. You know, it was a, an acquisition, I think, that we had on top of it. So we just basically ripped and replaced the network and it worked fine after that. Mm. So. I'm assuming you're willing to provide services or help people that would be willing to reach out to you and ask, hey, can you help me do this? Can you help yeah. me take a look at things? And what would they 
get from you, I'm assuming I, I like this one page overview, which is always nice, like a report here, give this to your CEO and see what he says. And with bullet points and this, and I don't know. And then here's our risk impact probability number, bullet point number two, they get a risk impact probability number and CEO might say, what the heck is that? And then an opportunity number with potential money to be made or lost or however you want to say that. And then visual slides that are, I'm assuming, keep it simple, stupid, but impactful and tell a story of where the business is, IT currently stands. Phil, I like how you said tell a story because that's exactly what I used to tell the folks that, um, uh, you know, uh, when I would do this, I said, if, you know, they would come to me and they would create a presentation and I'd look at it and I'd be like, what's the story? What's the narrative on this? What do you want me to do? Right. I go, cause that's what the, you know, an executive is going to look at. They're going to want to go, what is this telling me to do? Mm. Right. And if you don't have that narrative down and you try and you try to give a presentation that you, you, you're supposed to be guiding the person you know, like a story to try and get them to do or realize something that they need to get done. And uh, if you're not telling that story correctly, if you don't know your audience and know how to tell the story as well to that specific audience, mm -hmm. uh, then you're not going to get uh, anything uh, accomplished. I so saw I a, really like, I saw like a very interesting t statistic today, and that's why I brought it up. And this was, it's almost unbelievable. But the statistic was the more technology, let's just call them salespeople, the more technology salespeople talk about ROI and start focusing on ROI, the probability of a sale goes down by 20%. <laughs> it goes down, meaning that, and then it was talking about the people that tell a story and the people that ask about, you know, the business vision and where the business is going and the people that can tell a story and link that to the business, the probability of technology implementation goes up. Meaning the numbers are boring, I guess. I don't know. Or the numbers are too engineering or the, the numbers are too lobotomized, whatever it is. And it was basically talking about how people People buy on emotion. They make a decision based on emotion, and then they back it up based on facts. So the per so first of all, everything that happens has to happen based on emotion attached to the business and the vision and the dreams and all that type of stuff. And then it gets backed up by the ROI model. But most likely, just an assumption, and this is, you know, I guess we could call this um, um, prejudiced. This is prejudiced to IT people. I am being prejudiced to IT people. My assumption is that a lot of IT guys are scientific, analytic, analytic um, on the engineering edge of things and may not know how to deliver a story. Yeah. Tell you a story. No, you're correct. And, and uh, it's funny, uh, my, if you had to go back and, and look at college uh, for me, and you said, hey, what do you, you know, uh, you know, I asked people, I said, what do you think my best um, uh, uh, grades I got? What subject, my, be my best grades I got in, uh, um, in college? Where did it come from, right? Most people would say math. Right. Oh, you must have been great at math. And I said, no, I was actually really bad at math. In fact, I even switched majors uh, from uh, college and engineering over to college of business because they had less math. Mm. Right. Mm. Um, I was actually great at, at uh, um, English and writing. Mm. Uh, and so ironic. I, so that's, um, I that's was pre-med. I was pre-med. I was uh, <laughs> I was a biochem dual major. Wow. Yeah. Um, I dropped out and I joined the creative writing department, <laughs> but it, I mean, and I'm in technology. Like what? You wouldn't think it, you wouldn't uh, think it, but it makes a difference because I can, I can tell a story and write a narrative 
uh, that takes people from one thing to another. I once, I once uh, was helping somebody uh, edit one of their papers for college, mm-hmm. and um, and they gave me this uh, um, thing to write on, and it was on women's studies, mm-hmm. right? So obviously, I'm not an expert, right, at women's <laughs> studies. But I read, I read through their paper. I, I, I made my edits for them uh, and were able to suggest where they would, uh, you know, where they would improve. Mm-hmm. And, they, um, and they went through, because regardless of what you're writing about, it's all about telling a story, right? So I explained to them that there was no cohesive narrative based on their women's studies. They didn't tell me anything about it. They were just kind of regurgitating you know, uh, special, basically regurgitating what the book said about it. I said, you need a theme. You need to understand what you're trying to get across, uh, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I suggested a few themes for them. Uh, they selected, uh, you know, certain themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they said, I'm going to go with these. And they uh, went ahead and rewrote the paper. I edited it again, and they submitted it. And they, they I mean, I, they were like, the professor that got it was like, let's not make any changes. It's fantastic, and it's a first draft. Right. I so, would uh, I would love to just write headlines for a living. If I could just write <laughs> headlines for a living that popped, that popped, you know what I mean? Like this headline would be like, why it took a man to, <laughs> why, it took a, why it took a man to fix the women's studies, like paper. Yeah. You know, it's like, what? Oh, crazy. Everyone's going to go angry. You know, I had some like, I had some just really great headlines and i just sometimes i just sit down and i come up with these headlines for stuff that's not even you have not even headlines. my industry not even I, in my I industry you know it was like one was like you know my my number two romantic technique to fire up your marriage and make her come back for you know like, you know something like that i was just like trying to think of like well what's the number one technique what's the number <laughs> uh anywho um there is a technique by the way so, uh, okay. if you guys want to know, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach out to you? And I'll put links in the, for everyone out there listening, I'll put links in the, um, on the show page and everything like that. But what's the best way to reach out to you? Sure. I mean, you can, uh, uh, folks that want to do that, they can reach out to me through, through LinkedIn and let me know, uh, that they heard, heard about me on your show and that they have questions and then we, we can talk from there, but that's, but I would just say, you know, LinkedIn, uh, okay. to contact me through there. I'll put Michael Morris LinkedIn link in his bio of this show. Click on it. Simply DM him. Can you help me put together a one-page overview, summary, risk, impact, probability number, opportunity number, PowerPoint slides, et cetera, tell a story? Can you make me look awesome and not rip me off, but make it worth my while? And, um, w- w- you know, we'll go for there. And the I would like to say I promise, but I'll never promise certain things. But I would I would imagine it would be a highly worthwhile to make yourself look like a big deal so that you can deliver an effective um, and take a bunch of, I guess, you know, I guess the time off your table of, you know, doing these audits and everything, but take full credit for yourself. You know, sounds good. You're like a go, you're like the IT ghostwriter. You're the <laughs> IT, the IT one page overview, risk impact, probability number ghostwriter. You know, we should put together a quiz for this. That's going to be my next idea. So it's funny you say that because I once created uh, um, IT security policies and procedures and wrote a whole, uh, a whole thing on those. And, uh, had to give them to my uh, one of my uh, uh, IT uh, managers at that point so that they could put their name on it. So yes, I am oh, an IT classic. So. Classic <laughs> reminds me of a post I wrote just a few days ago that was I was stabbed in the back where that guy took all the credit. But okay, doesn't matter. Move on. <laughs> the uh, no, it didn't really. It was just something that came to mind. It, I can't imagine. As long as they keep me around and want to pay me, we're good to go. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't need the credit. I no. just need to make sure I, I I get paid and we uh and we can keep pushing the company forward. It's an important that's an important piece. And that was another thing that interesting headlines that came up again the other day is if I said to you, you know. How to, um, you know, I've got all the money in the world. You've got the best group of friends. You've got, you know, all the free time. You don't have to worry about money. 
you've got a happy career, family, healthy, you've got extracurricular activities I do. And what do you do next? Right? That's, I think that that's what everyone's chasing. I think that that's the imaginary dream that everyone's chasing and everyone's being sold on. This is getting a little deep for dissecting popular IT nerds. I believe that that's the dream everyone's being sold and everyone's chasing, but not everyone can achieve that and not everyone can get that. So why chase it like a gerbil running in a wheel forever? Why not just take advantage of the time that you have. To me, time is the most valuable resource. In my life right now, time is the most valuable resource. If you're starving and you can't you, you can't have, find any food and you're trying to put food on the table, then that's, you know, that's like the Pavlov's like hierarchy of needs or whatever that is, but the time is such a valuable resource and I believe that that's something that you can help offer people as well as to help pull stuff together because and make sense of things and deliver and, and make a make something easier and make selling it easier to someone and helping break things down and a lot of times it just takes it takes that outside person to take a look at it i i love it when people uh, i have all kinds of different coaches but we'll call you a coach we'll call you the it coach there's not an it coaching industry there's all this crazy I'm going to be a life coach. And I always look at that like, how are you a life coach? I look at some people, I'm like, you can't be a life coach. You're 25 and you don't, you still live at home in your mom's basement. You can't be a life coach. Get out of here. I've had people say that. I'm sorry, I'm going on a rant here, but you can have an IT coach and you can have uh, an IT mentor. And the whole point of a coach is not necessarily that they're that they're better or anything. Sometimes it's just a third set of eyes and someone to ask the right pointed questions that help guide you. I need it all the time. I've had people say, because I'm all over the place, you know, I was like, should I send out an email today? Should I do this? What should I do for the podcast? How should I promote it? How should I do this? And there's like a thousand different people always, Hey, let me uh, sell you this and let me sell you that. And you get a thousand questions every day, just like it directors get a million vendor calls all the time. Um, (laughs) That sometimes it takes the right person, and I've had some really good, some really good coaches, and I had one coach that just said, "Look, Phil, just a keep it simple, stupid, and focus on just LinkedIn. Focus on just the podcast. And if you're going to reach out to people, and email doesn't work in the IT industry because it just doesn't work, and things go to spam, and you get." IT guys get barraged with stuff all day long. Send them something in the mail. Isn't that amazing? Send them something in the mail. It's just like, you know, if you got a bulky package from Dissecting Popular IT Nerds and it didn't say anything on the outside, but just had your name and a marker on the outside, and I am sending those out to some very select people, very select people, um, would you open it? Yeah, you know, you'd be surprised how well that works. In fact, one of the businesses I used to work with were the people that created that, uh, that printed all of those things for uh, um, for different companies uh-huh. and uh, and shot them out. And they were a highly successful business. Uh, um, they had to make some changes post-COVID, yeah, right? Uh-huh. Um, because their their business model changed a bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but, the, uh, but essentially they were, you know, they loved it. And, and, and people love getting things and going, Ooh, look at this is a drink that carrier that I a drink, you know, thing I could yeah, use maybe. for my coffee and all this type of stuff. And it's got your name right on it. I mean, you know, what's funny is, uh, when I, when it's I gotta be cool like, swag, it's gotta be cool swag. Every oh. now and then people send out like a five terabyte hard drive or they send out something really crazy. I've asked some well, IT guys, they're like, I wanted this really bad. <laughs> it's amazing you bring this up, Phil, because this works internal to organizations as well. Um, when I came to the organization I'm at right now, uh-huh. um, we had to kind of do a rebrand of the, uh, and I, this is the second time I've done this in an organization, uh-huh. uh, rebrand of the IT support, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people were just calling people, uh, just a couple different people to get the solutions done. So what I did is I created a thing. I created a, um, a you know, I named it. Uh, um, in this case, it's named TechMate, right? 
Um, another one I did before was called Tech Force. And so um, people now had a thing and a logo. I would I work with the, IT, the marketing department to create a logo on it. So uh, um, so that they folks can go, oh, okay, we have a, a logo mm. of something. We know where to go to submit a ticket, to mm. get help, to get that service. And we actually mm. have it branded now. So it's a thing. So then if I send out notifications, I send them out as TechMate. They're like, got it. It's an entity. It's a thing. It's not just mm. people. Right. It's not just and, another uh, line item. It's not just a line on your email right. thing. And it's a, a big mate. difference. In, and and now it's like, hey, open a TechMate ticket. It's you a know, checkmate, but yeah. TechMate. I like it. It is. It is. Uh, one of my like, great, uh, great team uh, that came up with that name. And uh, I, can, I can't take credit for it. They did a great job. They came up with the name. They came hmm. up with the logo. It was keeping tech in check. If so, you call or reach out or DM Michael Moore, we will brainstorm the rebranding of your IT department at no cost <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come up with some crazy thing and they'll be like uh phil no that's not going to pass hr <laughs> no <laughs> uh sir it's been it has been a a, uh, a a a pleasure having you on the show as usual and thank you for providing a treasure trove of bullet points and questions that people can ask it has been uh, outstanding. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure to be here. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. If you like this or any other episode, make sure you rate it and share it with one of your friends. And remember, when it comes to IT, you always need to be dissecting, analyzing, and improving.